All right. Welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Andrew can't join us, but I'm here with frequent, I should say, not a friend, not just a friend, but also a frequent co-host of the podcast, former NHLer Dave Capuano. Dave, thanks for joining me tonight. Well, you're welcome. Glad to be here, Jim. And we're going to be talking uh, Bruins, Bruins, Bruins. So um, we're doing this uh, February 26th. The Bruins just played your one of your old teams, Vancouver, last night. And uh, they ended up having a great game. Allmark actually scored a goal, the first goal of a Bruins goalie. Yeah, an exciting exciting game. And, and uh, Vancouver had um, our jerseys on that we wore. So it was exciting to watch uh, real jerseys. I, I can't still believe they wear the other jersey. It's just... Um, it's remarkable to me that they don't wear those jerseys all the time. Um, and uh, I thought the Bruins came out, played really well in the first period. And I think they, you know, I don't think, I think as the game went on, I think Vancouver kind of played, took the play to them at times. Um, a little lucky to come out of um, of that game with two, with two points. Um, it could have, could have, they could have pushed that to overtime too. So, um, and, and it obviously very exciting with Omar scoring a goal. I kind of, I kind of think everybody knew it was going to happen at some point because the Bruins had so many leads that late in the game, you know, you get the right dumping and the way these guys can shoot the puck today. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if more goalies, you know, continue to score going forward because, uh, goaltenders work on their shots so much today. And let's just talk about that for a minute. Uh, if I'm not wrong, the first NHL goalie run Hextall of the Philadelphia Flyers playing against Boston. I remember being pissed off that the Bruins are having a terrible game and they pulled their goalie and uh, Hextall got that first goal and we had to watch those reruns. Uh, do you remember that? I do remember that. And I do. I, I mean, they show the reruns today a little bit on the uh, hockey channels here. So, um, but I do remember that. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an unbelievable feat. It's a, it's a tough feat, and uh, it's something that uh, he'll remember the rest of his life for sure. So let's talk a little Omar and, and goalie since we're we're already there. So Omar, thirty wins also, um, and you mentioned off air. Uh, do you think that's a new record? It might be. It's one. It's I know it's a record to the the fastest thirty wins, and, and I think they were saying since nineteen thirty. So um, obviously, very impressive. And the whole Bruins team is very impressive. Uh, I think defensively, you know, leading leading the charge obviously is is Charlie McAvoy, who who I, I think, you know, came back a little bit late um, with his injury, and I think that he's getting to the point now where he's elevating his game or 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 not peaking yet, but he's getting close. I mean, I think he's. Got what forty-one points in forty-five games, and he started off pretty slow. So um, he's on a heck of a tear, and and he's so strong, and and he can make up for any mistakes that that the Bruins make. It seems like he he can make up for them too. So um, just a just a, a stalwart back there. He's a, he's a type of kid, and and you know you can throw him on that top power play too at any time too now. So he's just he's he's really created himself into a great, great hockey player. And I, and I see down the road, him either even getting better. I don't think he's reached his peak yet. No, I don't think so either. All Mark, um, 1.86 goals against something like a point, uh, nine 38, uh, 
save percentage. Swayman, no slouch. He's at 14 wins, four losses, 2.34 goals against. Now, people could make the claim, uh, hey, you know, uh, most, you know, good goalies playing in the Bruins right now would have a lot of wins, but you got to give credit where credit's due to both goalies. I mean, they've come up big when they needed to come up big. Yeah. And I think it's, just, you know, I think it's two things can be said with that, Jim. I mean, look at a team like the Rangers, right? They, the, their, their goaltending, uh, their goaltender is, is fantastic, but on a lot of nights they're giving up 40 plus, you know, it happened against Washington the other day and they gave up six goals. So I think it complements Allmark and Swayman that the Bruins are so consistent on the back end. They're so consistent and playing their style and not giving up second chance, third chance. But when they, I have to like every time Allmark had to make a big save this year, he seemed like he has too. So I give them a lot of credit, both goaltenders, but Allmark this year, I think from watching him last year to watching him this year, he's following the puck much better. He's anticipating much better. And his glove has been tremendous this year. These behind the scenes report all season long that that we got was both Swayman and him are working with uh, whoever the goaltending coaches uh, in Boston. Uh, they're, they're doing double overtime. I mean, they're the last to leave the ice and they're specifically like really working on getting to be the best goaltenders in the NHL. And uh, it seems like that's paying off when you got goalies that are wanting and to put in that extra time to move their game forward. And I'm not, I don't know if that's part of their reason, but it certainly uh, could be part of it. Well, absolutely. Right. I mean, you, you know, we tell that to our kids, you, you work hard, good things happen. You know, I mean, my father used to say it to me, if you work hard, good things happen. And, um, if you don't work, good things aren't going to happen. And that, that goes in life too. I mean, so obviously they're putting the time in, but they're obviously both talented kids too. I mean, you know, you get to that level, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are working hard. So, um, but obviously what they're doing in Boston uh, and, and what the coaches are doing in Boston is paying off. And those, and those guys, um, those guys are, are playing well. I think it's Bob Asenza, who's the goaltending coach in Boston. Yeah, it, I know he was in the past, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know off the top of my head currently. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, um, you know, and obviously Montgomery Jim has brought in, brought in a great, a great attitude, and um, I think you know everything's just fitting for them right now. Everything. So with this, with this, uh, just from a fan sort of perspective, the the two goalies have gotten a lot of uh, attention for the uh, goalie bro hug. And um, even some uh, mic'd up hot mic moments of the two of them talking to each other during the game and so forth. And it seems like the two of them are really tight. Either one's the big brother or uh, it, it certainly seems like Allmark's the big brother and Swayman's learning from him. Because I think and I don't know how Allmark is, as a matter of fact, but I'm sure he is older. What is it? How important is it? And I know we talked about goalies before being a little strange and you talked about some of the goalies you've uh, had on your various teams, but to have goalies that seem to, I'm not going to say they're not competitive, but they're definitely supporting each other. Um, you know, that's kind of not unusual, but for the level that Allmark and Swayman is, it seems a little strange. Like it's almost weird in a good way. 
Yeah, I, I I think it's the whole Bruins organization that's kind of the same way, and and they're they're probably those the goalies are probably always a little odd, and um, <laughs> you know they 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 seem to get along tremendous, but I'm sure there's a lot of competition. I'm sure they I'm sure that that Ullman is pushing Swayman, and I think Swayman is pushing Ullman, and that's that's the way you want it. So. You know, I, I mean, they're both there. They know, you know, Swayman knows he's there. He knows he's getting paid. He knows he's, you know, he, he. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot, a lot of reasons not to root for for Ullman. You know what I mean? So, um, obviously, I'm sure Swayman would want to play more, but his time will come, and he knows his time will come. Um, yeah. So, I, I think that that you know, and again, I think it's, I almost think it's the the whole atmosphere with even Chara being there and, and, and Bergeron and those guys where they, they treat each other with such respect. And there's, there's not a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, mistreating anybody in that organization. Yeah. Yeah. So before we talk about depth and I'm going to ask you to kind of, you know, give, give us your impression of the, uh, the depth of the Bruins. Let's talk about pasta. He's leading, leading scorer. Um, I think he's second in goals in the NHL. I don't know if he'll catch, uh, you know, the almighty, uh, but uh, he's getting close, but uh, he's 42 goals, 37 assists. Um, he's having a, a great year. And uh, is it going to be tough for the Bruins to sign him? Do you think? Cause there's not a lot of room. Well, I, I, you know, I got to think that, that at this point, you know, I, Poster wants to stay in Boston, but again, if Krejci if Krejci retires after this year and Bergeron retires after this year, um, not saying that's going to happen, but if it does, um, where does that leave him? You know, with the, with the, the two top sentiment going like that, you're not going to replace those two guys. So, um, I, you know, that could be in the back of his mind. You know, at this point. Does he hold it out until the season's over and, you know, sees what happens? It's only two months now, really. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he wants to stay in Boston or not. But he's he's having a tremendous year. He's, he's, he's um, again, you know, it is the, the regular season. But, um, you know, we, we want to see – we want to see someone like him win a championship, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um Bergeron is, or I think he's got 21 goals so far this season. Uh, we have several Bruins that are on the brink of having 20 goal seasons. Marshamp being one of them, usually makes 20 a season for quite a few seasons now. But we have uh, a lot of Bruins, and one of the surprises is uh, is Frederick. I think he's got 13 goals. He could potentially, if he gets some ice time, make 20 goals. But talk a little bit about the scoring depth of of the Bruins, and there's so many of them that could actually be putting in 20 goals a season. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this, you know, for the last couple of years that we've, that I've been on uh, the podcast talking about how I just didn't feel they had enough depth to win a Stanley cup. And I, I know that there's, there's kind of been rumors floating around about this, you know, Ivan Babashev from St. Louis, um, which I think would be a, a tremendous fit for the Bruins to add that scoring to that third line. Um, so I still think, I still think it's, it's, it's possible 
that they make another deal. Um, but but right now, I mean, yes, they have the depth. The guys are scoring. Um, you got you got pasta. You got you know you got Marshawn, who I think again the last three games, I think Marshawn's starting to come. I think you can see it. You know, um, I, I think he's he's finally. You know, I, I watched a couple of his interviews. I think he's finally starting to feel like himself. And I think they're going to need him to be the elite player to win the Stanley Cup. Um, as much as everybody else has, has, has banged in this year, um, I think Marshawn is the key to that that team. Now, do the Bruins start running into any issues as far as players being unhappy? I mean, you've got the Coils, you've got um, Hall. A lot of players have come back pushing a hall, pushing a, a, a coil down a line. Uh, how do you manage or, you know, as a coach, do you think Montgomery's managing these players to say, hey, you're not producing, therefore you went from the second line, now you're on the third line, or now you're going to center the fourth line? Um, how How does that dynamic shake up a locker room? Or if you're winning like the Bruins are, it doesn't really matter. To the players, I mean. Yeah, I, I think obviously, you know, you have your favorite guys you want to play with, right? You have, you know, Krejci with Zucker and Poster, and and I think that line is going to stay together. But I think that, like, I think we like we did, we, we you know we talked off air a little bit about Stud Nicker. I think guys in the NHL know their roles, so you know, it's tough to take a guy that like a pastor and say, listen, you're going to go play fourth line. And I want you to, to, to play a fourth line role because that's yeah. not who he is. So Coyle, Hall, I mean, even, you know, even someone like Hall, they can play that big physical style. I mean, you look at Hathaway, we haven't talked about him yet, but you know, six, three, two, ten. you know, it, it seems that's the route they're going. Um, they're going to have a big physical team. That third and fourth line is going to wear people down. And we, you know, we talked about it when my brother Jack was the head coach of the Islanders and um, they had, you know, the Clutterbuck line with Martin and Sezekis that was such a dynamic line for them because they could play against the first line or they could play against the third or fourth line and they could make things happen every shift and they changed the momentum of games. And I think that's what they're looking at a Hathaway and even Babashev could be the same thing. They, they change the dynamics of a game. So um I think I think guys like Coyle and those guys. I don't think you're going to see guys any of those guys frustrated. They want to win a Stanley Cup. And the Bruins seem like they found their niche. Where last year it was the perfection line. Now Jake DeBrus coming off of uh, um, obviously being unhappy with the coaching staff Cassidy last year, having a great year this year. Just came back from not playing 14 games, and he's you know, a goal, a game, it seems like, but he's moved up to the top line. And now you've got the check line of Krejci, Pasta, and Zaka. Um, What happens when you have this? I mean, I remember in Detroit, specifically, when you put the Russians together on the line, they start dominating. And I don't know if it's just their country's style of play, that they communicate in their native language and nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. Uh, but it seems like it's working for the Bruins. That second line is powerful. Yeah, you know, you know, it's and I was fortunate enough to play with Igor Larionov and Krutov, but Igor being, you know, still kind of in his prime. Um, you know, 
when guys think the game alike, it makes the game easier to play. And that's what you got in the, in that second line. They all, you know, and Bergeron and Marshawn are the same way. It's just a little bit different. They're kind of get the puck to the net type of guys and they feed off it. Whereas um, Krejci's line, um, they're more of, you know, move the puck, move yourself, get it back. Um, You know, and that's how the Russians were. The Russians would move the puck. They would move themselves. They would get it back, and they just continue to do it all the way up the ice. And when I played with Igor, I was fortunate enough to think the same way as as he did, and and and, and it was very successful for me. Um, you see, you know, all of the defensemen that they acquired from from Washington too, a very smart hockey player, very smart hockey player. That first pass is tremendous. Um, you know, he knows he sees the ice before it's going to happen. He's a step ahead of everybody. He gets the puck. He knows where it's going, and those and those. A lot of times, you can't teach that. So, um, I think they did a great job trading for those two guys, um, and I think they're going to be very helpful for the Bruins. Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll talk about the trade. Then we'll go defense. Uh, so, uh, I hope I'm getting this right. This is where I rely on uh, Andrew for the stats. So the trade, as how I read it, was uh, Bruins are getting Orloff, and of course they've got Hathaway. And uh, Orloff, 31, so is Hathaway. Uh, Washington is retaining 50% of uh, basically a $5 million contract for Orloff. And then we have this weird third-party thing that I guess is fairly new to the NHL, where we make a deal with Minnesota. Minnesota... Um, gets a fifth round pick from the Bruins and they're going to take 25% of Orloff's salary this year. And I think Hathaway too, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, we get the rights to uh, Andre um, Svetlakov um, and let's see, the Bruins go with the Washington and we give up a first round pick this year, second round, I think in two years from now and, uh, uh, and that third round pick in 24. Hopefully I got that right. But yeah. good trade for the Bruins. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer for me, but what do I know? Not much. Well, you're giving up a lot of draft picks, right? Um, and it, it's Hathaway. And I think Orloff is, is definitely worth it. Is Hathaway worth it? You know, big, strong, physical, can change the dynamics of a hockey game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, he's not someone you're going to watch a game and say, you know, he was a difference in that game. Um, but I think Orloff can, can be that person. He can play up ice the way they want. He can create with his, you know, being a fifth forward. And then, and he's a very uh, smart hockey player that he's, his first pass was always great. And he, and he sees the ice so well, and obviously he's a great skater. He can move up the ice. So I think, that's more so why you're giving up those draft picks. Um, and if, if you win a Stanley Cup, it's obviously definitely worth it. Um, you know, uh, the Bruins haven't done too many great things with their draft picks. So, you know, so at least they're using them. Well, and that's, I guess, what it comes down to is Sweeney's being criticized by by us and others uh, for not having the greatest picks. Um, however, uh, this new third party thing i guess is to stay under the the cap meaning this trade washington is 50% of the salary which is great 
and Minnesota's picking up 25% so the Bruins can stay under that cap. It sounds like this is the new sort of let's make a deal. Uh, like we talked real fast off air. You said it's legal till it might not be legal uh, later on. But it, it seems pretty ingenious to me to get the players they need and stay under that cap. Yeah, I mean, if that's if that's the only way they can do it, I mean, I I, I would imagine that the that the Bruins aren't the only team that it's doing this. I guess I'm sure the whole league has figured out what they need to do. But like we did talk about, you do need a third party in there that you're uh, familiar with and you have a good relationship to make these deal with. And obviously, Minnesota um, made the deal and 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 they pushed it through with Minnesota's help. So Hathaway, a scrapper, and uh, and a Boston kid too, a local kid. I'm sure yeah. he's going to be happy to uh, be back home. Uh, yeah, big kid, 200 hits this year, um, 65 block shots. So you know, you know, what does it take in the playoffs? You know what I well, mean? So, right. That's where I'm going to go with it. The Bruins yeah. have always, you know, my 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 criticism of Cassidy is the Bruins have been too soft in the playoffs. They get knocked around, and uh, that's it. So Hathaway might be one of those guys that will say, hey, you're not going to do that to our player because we can't rely on Trent Frederick to do that. Um, and he's just not that big of a player. I like Frederick, but we need a Hathaway. Yes, absolutely. And and and, and they know what they need and they see these guys play on a nightly basis. And obviously they Hathaway stuck out to them the way he played all year. Uh, so, you know, they went out and made this deal now. You know, time will tell if it's if it's enough. And and again, you know, you you can say what you want, but I've talked about it a hundred times. And last year with Tampa Bay, um, you know, point goes down, and they're basically their playoffs are done. So, um, you know, Bergeron goes down, Amashan goes down. Very hard for the for the Bruins to win a cup, um, along with any other team. And now, and as we, you know, as we get talking tonight about you know all this stuff you get Colorado kind of ramming up here ramping up being healthy a lot of guys were, were were out all year so now they're rested they got 20 games to go and no one seems to be able to beat them the last seven eight games so or maybe more so you know it's all about timing and we've talked about it all year I mean the Bruins keeping this pace up has been immense um so you know but I think I think you know, it's because they're so good defensively and goaltending wise every night. So there's been some criticism, obviously, from I guess you could say social media that, hey, why do this trade for Boston? Because if it's if it's working for Boston right now, why do you want to put two guys into the lineup and sort of shake things up? But it doesn't seem to be um, I don't know if that argument's gonna hold up. What do you think of that criticism? Um I think I think that there's there's definitely um, th it definitely happens. I mean, you don't want to break up a locker room. There's no question that that locker room is is absolutely strong, getting along the way they're playing all year, the way they're fighting for each other, um, and the way they're winning. So, but I think in this case, I mean, you you know, you Smith leaves, so you you know you get Smith out Hathaway in. Yep. So you're not losing a lot there. And, and, and then you got, you know, you do, I think it was uh Connor Clifton that sat out last night. Yep. If I'm correct. Yeah. So, there were some rumors about him. Yes. But, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I think he's having a tremendous year, you know, like, 
So it, it, that is tough as a teammate to see um, someone like that, you know, having to sit out because they made a trade. So, you know, your point's well taken in, in that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to mess up a locker room. Now, um, these two guys coming in, Hathaway, Orloff, like I said, 31, um, you know, they've been around the NHL, particularly Orloff. Um, you know, they know how to be professionals, um, and it, it doesn't seem like it's going to mess up too much in the locker room, at least from what I can see. But on the defensive core, Orloff is really – needed where do you see orloff in the lineup and talk a little bit about the bruise uh the bruins defense thinking that clifton obviously is going to stay well the thing i've been impressed with clifton this year is is how physical he's been and um orloff i guess you know can play that way too but we you know i mean we've talked about it all the time i mean in the playoffs you need that big strong defenseman in front of the net right so but again, I think that they have McAvoy who can play that style. They have Forbart who can play that style. They have Carlo. So I think all of it's just that, you know, I think he's got like top two or three rating in the league in his first pass ability. So I, I think that that's the key in the game is the quicker you're out of your zone, the quicker you, you don't have to be in your zone. Where do you um, – Lindholm, I think, is having a good season as well. Where do you see – I mean, I think it's McAvoy and Lindholm are paired together. Yes. I, I should actually look that. All right, they are good. Um, Orloff going to be on the second line, you think? And I don't know what, what – I don't know which side he shoots, so I don't know. I think he was paired with – with. Um, I think he was paired – he went to his offside last night and um, was paired with – I think with Forbar, I think um, – but he was definitely on his offside, which you'd like to see him on his strong side. I think he obviously you're a better player on your strong side because the passes coming out of your zone are even easier because you're not turning and looking over your shoulder. So, but I think that he's gonna again. I think they got him for for a, a solid puck moving defenseman who can get up the ice in the playoffs. It's hard to score goals, and you want offensive defensemen. Do you think and I and I know Sweeney's going for the cup. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, the Bruins are, you know, having a great season. Uh both of these Orloff Hathaway unrestricted free agents. Do the Bruins uh do you think uh, what's your gut telling you? Do you think Sweeney's going for just the cup or do you think he really wants to try to retain two of them if he can next year? Cuz I know you got to deal with you know, is Bergeron going to retire? Is Krejci going to retire? So there's a lot of unknowns. But do you think Sweeney's looking short term or long term with these guys? Well, I think both of them are do. I think Orloff's gonna he's gonna require a, a bunch of money that the Bruins don't have. I think Hathaway's one five. So, you know, I think they could probably make waves in trying to keep Hathaway if they feel like. Um, but I think this is a short term trade, okay. and I don't think that um, I don't think they're gonna have the cap space unless. Um, you know, something happens, but I think even Bergeron's only playing for like what a million five this year or something. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Short money, yeah. So, um, again, but you know, he uh, if he's playing for seven million, you're not able to make this trade, right? Right. Well, I told you I'd ask this just to prep you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about trades before. We go with the um, annual 
Capuano uh, Stanley Cup prediction, and I'm afraid to ask you this year because I don't want to jinx it, but I could be wrong. Anyway, um, how are players at the highest level, the NHL, how are they typically notified about a trade, and how were you notified? I mean, you were involved in a few trades yourself in the NHL. Is there a common procedure, or is it just it ends up how it ends up? Well, these days, you, you kind of hope you don't hear it on Twitter first. <laughs> I um, know. But, uh, you know, you normally you get a phone call. When I was when I was traded from Pittsburgh to Vancouver, I got a phone call from Brian Burke from Vancouver. I never even talked to Pittsburgh. So, um, but I think, mo- you know, back, I, I'm, Today, I don't know. I'm not there, but I'm I'm sure that, you know, coaches and GMs are aware of social media. So they I'm sure they try to get a hold of the player first to have the, you know, to have the um, respect to tell them, you know, what happens. And or a lot of times too, your agent might call you and tell you, listen, this deal is made. You'll you know, it's going to be out in an hour. Yeah, and um, of course, at this point, I would imagine agents are sort of out of it because it's just a trade. There's nothing really to negotiate. But I was, yeah, I was curious about how much agents would actually know being the player's, quote, representative, if they would be in on it or even in on if a team is even thinking about making a trade. I don't know. Yeah, the agents are very, very well aware of everything going on because don't forget, most agents are attorneys and, um, so you get a lot of them that have relationships with GMs because the general managers are attorneys too. So and it's, it's a small hockey world. They're all very close. So absolutely the agents are involved. You'll get phone calls um, back and forth. I'm sure with Patrick Kane right now, um, Patrick Kane's agent is very much involved in everything that's going on. Do you see any uh, other blockbuster trades happening in the NHL? Well, I see Patrick Kane going. So, you know, and I think if the Rangers get him, um, I don't know what happened. I know Lindholm, uh, I believe that's his name, Lin, uh, for the Rangers defenseman got hurt last night, which is one of their top D men. Um, so that could put a hinder on on their run. But I think if they do get Kane, uh, I, I got to believe that with Kane and with their goaltending, that they can, they can, they can, the Rangers can make a run. Um and I, and I also think that it's tough. I said, you know, I, ever since they went to this format where one doesn't play eight, Jim, you know, they talk about Toronto and they talk about, if you go back and, and look at the last five or six years, I mean, I, I don't know how many times Toronto had to play the Bruins in the first round or such a great team in the first round where, you know, it's very difficult to win the Stanley cup because of it. Um, so you know, it does make a big difference with this the playoff format. I, I'd like to see them just go back to one versus eight and two versus seven and, and and you know, have an 82-game season matter where you finish so you get the advantage. Um, but, you know, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, when you when they we get back to your question, when you do make trades, the agents are definitely involved. I would imagine a lot of times they're probably even more involved now because of Twitter and because of social media that the players are the GMs are reaching out to their uh, agents and making sure that the players know what's going on. Um, but this Patrick Kane thing, and, and like I talk about, even 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 Babishev, Babishev from St. Louis, um, if the Bruins can get him, um, I think it would be a wisely thing to do. So you don't have to mention any any names if you don't want to. 
can you ever remember of like some trade where uh, somebody that you know, uh, they got traded and they sort of a trade story that would be unbelievable. I mean, there's been some of, you know, they're the last to know, like everybody knows, like they are at a restaurant and the waiter tells the player that he's been traded and they, you know, they didn't even know. Does that ever happen? I don't, I don't, off the top of my head, Jim, I don't remember, I don't remember anything like that happening. Um, you know, like for me, I mean, I, you know, I was the next day and, and I think, the trade was announced with um, with Danny Quinn and myself and Andrew McBain to Vancouver. And like I said, I never talked to Pittsburgh. Um, and there was no, I don't think there were cell phones back then. So it wasn't easy to communicate. So I'm sure there was, and back in the day, I'm sure there was a lot of things that went on like that. So, but, um, you know, to my knowledge, I just, I just don't remember anything offhand. So getting back to the Bruins, they are a plus 96, a huge gold uh, differential here with uh, everybody in the league. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, we do it every year. I know it's hard. We put you on the spot. Uh, we're going into the playoffs soon. It is the end of February. Do you have any prediction of at least one or two teams you're looking at for the win the Stanley oh. Cup? I think I think the you know the the obvious choices right now are obviously the Bruins, obviously Carolina, and Colorado. I think those three teams are your probably your favorites, and then you got the the kind of the next tier down where you got Tampa, the Rangers. Um, you know yeah. so it's you know and Tampa's Tampa's tough too I mean they got so such great experience and they got the goaltender but it is the NHL and Toronto making the Riley trade too now I think puts them in a position to win around and to if they do win around you know and they get goaltending I you know um they could also make a little bit of a push but I just think if the Bruins stay healthy I think you're looking at like a Bruins Colorado there you go. You heard it here on the podcast, the the prediction. Yeah, and it's so hard. Like you say, people get banged up. Uh, you know, Bruins do have age. Not that I'm trying to uh, um, criticize the Bruins, but if they have a couple injuries in age, anything could happen. But right now they're having a, 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 just a hell of a season. And uh, what is it like? I know that you've been on a few teams, uh, particularly, uh, I think, University of Maine, where you had a close, uh, very successful team. What is it like as a player to be involved in a machine that is so well-oiled and just runs so smoothly like this, where it's, I would imagine it's it's fun. I hate to say that because it's work, it's a job, but it's fun. What is it like for a player to do that? It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, college is a little different because we're only playing 40 games a season, right? Or 45 games. So in the NHL, it's, it's a job and it's every day and it's a grind. And so when you're winning like they are, um, less anxiety, less stress, less worried about things, um, able to just go home, enjoy your family, go back to the rink. Um, you know, in college, you know, my two years at Maine, you know, you know, it was just fun. It was fun to go to the rink every day. It was fun to, you know, whatever the coaches had us doing. And it was, there was no second guessing things. There was no second guessing people. 
Uh, it was just fun to go to the rink. And I think that's what the Bruins are experiencing right now. And I think that's why, you know, they can add pieces to the puzzle there. Uh, I think when you're adding pieces, I think, you know, guys are still on the same page, knowing what it takes to win a Stanley Cup compared to teams like losing guys. Like look at St. Louis who lost Riley and they, the team has kind of folded a little bit because they lost their leader. And I'm sure there was rumblings in that dressing room of, you know, you know, you know, we're not, you know, we're not going to make the playoffs, you know, so things can go the other way. Right. So uh, I, I think that the, the Bruins are in a really good position. I think that they added depth defensively. Um, unfortunately, it's tough. Like someone like, like I said, Connor Clifton was having such a great season. You know, I think he's bumped out last night where you know, any other team in the league, he's probably a top three D. Yep. So, um, you know, but you know, there's going to be injuries. You know, you're going to get back in there. You know, you're going to play. So, um, I think the Bruins are on a really good opportunity here. It's it's a it's one of those situations where it's it's a once in a lifetime opportunity with the year they're having, and um, and I think if they can stay healthy, they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat. But again, um, in a seven game series, it all takes is one injury. Yep. Yep. Well, Dave, we'll have you uh, back during the playoffs and giving us uh, the whole overview, not only the Bruins, but the whole NHL, because the playoffs is always uh, a long grind. And like you said, a lot of things can happen, but uh, we'll uh, we'll probably call it a night here. We can't thank you enough for joining us again and uh, giving us the uh, prediction this year of what to look for in the playoffs. Well, Jim, thanks for having me. And I, I tell Andrew, I said hello. Um, and uh, I look forward to coming back.